0: Well, good morning, everyone. It is a delight to be with you in spirit. The passage we're going to be looking at today is found in Romans chapter 8. I encourage you, if you're able, to turn in your Bibles. and We're going to read just one verse. It's a verse that has been described this way. Pound for pound, or it might be better said word for word, There is no single thought in Scripture more loaded with power, with passion, with mercy and grace than Romans 8.28. This is the way it reads, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. So we're going to begin with our uh, recitation of the Lord's Prayer. And while you're getting ready for that, I want to say good morning to Seth, to Jackson, to Lena. Papa loves you. I want to say hello to Teresa and Randy. Uncle Steve loves you. And I want to say hello to the entire Christian Life family, plus our friends. The scripture says that when we come together and live out this thing called the Christian life, that we celebrate together, but we also grieve together. We celebrate good times and we work through bad times, but we do it together. Some of you today that are listening, you're grieving the loss of a loved one. We know that. Some of you are separated from loved ones that are in the hospital. Some of you have immense questions about your finances, your income. Some of you are going strong and Say nothing's bad on this end of the line. But whether you're up or down, whether you feel persecuted or celebrated, we come together as family. And let's pray the Lord's Prayer as is our custom. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive them that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. And Father, we also pray for those that are struggling, pray for those that are in difficult places. As we look to this passage of scripture, I pray that the hope that Paul intended would rise up in us so that we might see the faithfulness of our God and celebrate walking with Jesus. We ask this for your glory and in your name. Amen. Amen. Now, we have been Uh, talking about some very basic things since we've had to resort to live stream services. Um, The dynamic has changed a little bit. Our audience has changed a little bit. But don't be surprised that we've spent the last three weeks reciting and remembering and reviewing what we consider to be basic Christianity, what is something that's been drilled into us year after year after year. We talked the first live cast about understanding Satan's method because he's a liar and he's the father of every lies. And if we're gonna walk through this victoriously, we've gotta get a grip on the difference between a lie and the truth. And Jesus is truth, we know that. He is the way, the truth, and the life. But the enemy is the father of all lies. So we spent the first week reviewing Satan's methods Then last week, we talked about the importance of not only knowing the difference between truth and error, but we talked about how important it is for us to understand what's going on when we navigate the current of storms. Uh, sometimes we don't know what is causing the storm. Sometimes we don't know for sure what the outcome will be, but we need to to know that Jesus is the master of the storm in every situation, in every eventuality. And um, we're we're dwelling with the waymaker, the storm calmer. And whatever we go through, God said, "I'll be with you and will help you." Today, we want to ask the question. Um, what's going on around me? Is everything out of control? Uh, Because when we talk about this issue of the providence of God, that answers a very important question. Is God really in control of what's going on around me? Or are we at the mercy of circumstances? Or worse yet, are we at the mercy of the enemy? There's a powerful doctrine in scripture called the providence of God. Now, a lot of people try to apply a lot of layers to the providence of God, but basically what it means is this. The meaning of providence, if you've got your notes, they're available to you, uh, says that providence is God's care of his creation, including protection, guidance, and purpose, and preservation. The ongoing care of creation is generally referred to as general providence. God just watches over everything. But there are also moments of divine intervention, and that's referred to as special providence. Now, as we talk about God's providential care for us, even in storms, even in times of chaos like this, the the question that needs to be asked is not so much what's going on around us, But what's going on in us? We really want what's going on around us to be manageable, predictable, safe, and under control, but life isn't like that quite often. It's more about what's going on in you. That's why we're on these basics for a few weeks, because there are some glorious days ahead. There may be some tough days ahead, but there are glorious days ahead, and God is working in us to prepare us to be the the best representation of his kingdom on earth. i tell you, God has not given up on the church. The church is is still his bride, and the church is still his best idea. And we need to have confidence in the church. Oh, I know there are problems here and there. There are problems with all of us. But Jesus said, I will build my church. Now, if I was building the church, we'd be in trouble. If you were building the church, if denominations were building the church, we'd be in trouble. But Jesus said, I will build my church. So the question is not nearly what's going on around me as much as it is what's going on in me. I heard about a little boy that was sitting at the table. Well, that was the part of the problem. He wasn't sitting at the table. He was pitching a fit and he was yelling and screaming. He was having a temper tantrum and just a little preschooler that was out of control. And uh, finally, 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 the mom got him to sit down and he sat down and was (laughs) And in a moment, he exposed the secrets of his heart. He said, "Mama." I may be sitting on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. He was telling us what's important is what goes on inside of you. She even said in desperation, she said, son, when you get under control, you can come back to the table and eat. Go into the closet. Just go across the room, get in the closet until you can calm down. Well, he went in the closet and sure enough, he got very quiet and they thought, well, this novel approach to discipline May be working. And Dad called out, he said, Son, what are you doing in there? And he said, I am spitting. I spit on your coat. I spit on your dress. I spit in your boots. I spit in your shoes. I spit in your umbrella. I spit on everything in the closet. And Daddy, right now I'm just sitting here waiting for more spit. Well, That's the way we are sometimes. We may find ourselves forced to conform on the outside, but God wants so much more than that. He wants us not only to conform on the outside, but he wants us to be reformed on the inside. And so it's a big question, what is going on in our lives? Now, we've read this beautiful text in in Romans eight, and we've talked about the meaning of providence. And loved ones, this is to be a great comfort in a difficult time. In times like we're facing today with the virus, um, we are learning to trust God. We are learning, hopefully, to appreciate the often unseen blessings of God. And we're learning to overcome and defeat Satan It's, we've had such an emphasis on don't let fear rule and we don't want to let fear rule, but this is not just about overcoming fear. This is about learning. This is about a, if you want to call it a forced Sabbath where God sets us aside and he suspends the routine of our life because in it, he wants us to learn that we can trust him. He wants us to learn that we ought to appreciate our blessings. I'm so thankful that even in these difficult times, families have often drawn closer together and relationships have been strengthened. But he's also teaching us. David said he teaches my hands to war. He teaches us to overcome and defeat Satan. Now, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not trying to be belligerent or critical, but I think we miss the whole point of what's going on. Remember what's going on in us, not around us. I think we miss the whole point of what's going on if all we're interested in in our prayers is Lord, let things get back to the way they were. It might not be good for things to get back to the way they were in every situation. And I caution you to not seek comfort over destiny. Don't seek the familiar over an opportunity to further God's kingdom in unprecedented ways. Now, we're we're going to understand something, I think, before this is all over, and this is my contention. Before we can truly answer most of the questions we're asking, we must first put ourselves in place with a posture that allows the Holy Spirit's agenda to become our focus, okay? Our our response right now to this virus situation, the way we respond is getting the notice and attention of heaven and perhaps that of hell as well. Uh, I want to remind you in the Bible that uh, so many times, even though God knows all things, he lets our response determine how things are played out. You remember when the angel Gabriel came to Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, and he said, "Your prayers are answered." That should have been the best news Zechariah had, had in all of his life. And when Gabriel began to tell him he was going to have a son and he was going to name him John, there was such doubt and inconsistency and 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 just world worldly thinking coming out of the mouth of Gabriel. That the, I mean, out of the mouth of Zechariah, that Gabriel said boy, we've got to preserve what God's trying to do. The best thing I can do is shut you up. And and because of his responses, the angel Gabriel said, you're not going to be able to speak until the day that God fulfills his word because you don't understand how to cooperate with God. Well, then a little bit later, the same angel goes to Mary and look at that response of that powerful teenage girl with the simplicity of faith. She heard unthinkable, unbelievable things and her question wasn't, How is this going to happen? That's what Zechariah's response was. Her response was, how shall this be? She wasn't doubting that it would happen. She just said, tell me how this will happen. And you see that tender exchange between Mary and Gabriel. This is what God wants to do. How will this happen? Then another question, then another response. And Mary's response, be it unto me according to the word of the Lord. Loved ones, we've got a chance to get through this like Zechariah did, where God doesn't work because of us. He works in spite of us. Or we've got a chance to shine like Mary did, where even though there are things we don't understand, we have such a trust in God that our attitude is, well, Lord, you just do what you said you'd do. Be it unto me according to the will of the Lord. Now, in this passage that we read, talking about the providence of God, and by the way, providence is not fatalism. Providence is not that God has decreed something and our decisions don't, don't matter. That's not providence. That's not sovereignty. It's a beautiful dance of the soul where God leads and we follow. We respond to his gracious invitation. And whenever Paul described the providence of God, he focused on four ideas. And that's what I want us to get today. He said, number one, the providence of God is beneficial. Number two, the providence of God is active. Number three, the providence of God is inclusive. And number four, the providence of God is harmonious. Now, what I believe God is trying to do in his people all across this nation and very probably around the world is he wants us to understand that while the world insists on explanations and understanding, see, the world wants a God they can understand the the world wants a God that they feel owes them an explanation for a behavior, but God is looking for people that will trust and obey. You say, well, I just wish I could trust and obey if I understood. Well, the Bible lays out a principle, and that is we, we trust and obey, and then understanding will come. It's reported that someone asked Mrs. Einstein, Albert's wife, if she understood her husband's theory of relativity, and I love her answer. Do I understand the theory of relativity? No, but I understand Albert, and he can be trusted. Loved ones, in times like this, it's not necessary for us to answer every question posed to us by an unbelieving world. But it is incumbent upon us to have such trust and confidence in God that they see that trust manifested in our lives. And even though we don't understand, we trust. Listen to what Jeremiah the prophet said. Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. I don't think this is in your notes, but you can mark it down and read it later. Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. Thus says the Lord, let not a wise man boast of his wisdom, and let not the strong man boast of his might, but... And let not a rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me. Loved ones, we are in the early days of this plague, this pandemic, and hopefully it will end sooner rather than later. But one of the things that I believe is part of God's agenda is that he's moving us to the place where our where our confidence is not in a worldly system our confidence is not in the mind and intellect but our confidence is in the fact that we can know and trust almighty god that's what we're after now let's consider this in your notes the work of god described in romans 8 revolves around two key ideas god says i'm into redemption and i'm into refinement Redemption says, as I work in the planet, as I send my son to die, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That means his one and only special son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God is working to redeem creation. This world, the planet itself, is groaning, waiting for the day to God for God to come and set everything in order. But he's also not only redeeming all of creation, he's refining those of us who are the children of God. Now, in one sense, everyone's a child of God because we're created by God. But there's another special sense I'm talking about. John spoke of Jesus in chapter one of his gospel, and he put it this way. Um, He came unto his own, meaning his own creation, (coughs) excuse me, mankind. He came unto his own and his own received him not. But as many as did receive him, in other words, when you accept Jesus, something heavenly happens, and this is what it is. To as many as did receive him, to them he gave the power. To become the children of God. You are the child of God in a brand new way when you accept Jesus as Lord and what he is after in us. Now, when we come to Jesus, forgiveness is complete and forgiveness is eternal, but he also begins a process of sanctification, of refinement, of making us more like him. Now, This idea of providence is is a matter of profound conviction to Paul. There's a phrase in the Greek that is very positive, very, very strong. He says, and we know, talking about all things working together for good. He said, we know this. We are convinced of this. The evidence points to this. The conclusion is that nothing touches our life without either being planned by God or permitted by God. Now, that doesn't mean everything that comes into our life is sent by God, but God either sends it or God allows it to be sent with the idea that he will ride herd over that. The scripture says he sits as a refiner at the fire, being sure that in order for the metal to be purified, the gold or silver or whatever it is, he sits as a refiner so that he doesn't let the fire get too hot so that the metal is destroyed And the refiner doesn't let the fire get too cool so that it doesn't do his work. God said, whether it's something I send or the devil sends, I'm in charge and I will bring maximum benefit out of it. Now, God's not the instigator of evil, but he has the amazing ability to refine, redeem, and restore. Now, you'll notice this. He said, all things work together for good to those who love the Lord, who are the called according to his purpose, The operative ideas are number one, relationship. He says, this works for those who love the Lord and partnership, those who are called according to his purpose. The unbeliever does not have the right to say, well, whatever happens to me, God's working for my benefit. Oh friend, please understand, God is working for your benefit. The scripture says it's the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. But only those who love the Lord and have partnered with him can lay claim to this special promise of all things working together for good. Now, let me go to those four words that are so important, and then we'll begin to move toward a prayer time at the end. The first thing that I want you to know, you see there in your notes, is that God's plan is beneficial. god That's why the psalmist said in uh, Psalm 119, God is good and everything he does is good. That's hard to swallow if you don't have a divine perspective. I remember Rick Joyner talking about something that had happened to me one time. We had the same question. We read about those holy beings that surround the throne of God. And all, well, I started to say all day long. There's no day or night there. There's a time is doesn't exist in the presence of God. But without end, they are around the throne of God. And what they do unceasingly is say, holy Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And then they say a phrase that makes no sense if you look at it from our perspective. The whole earth is full of his glory. Boy, I look at starvation. I look at human trafficking. I look at famine. I look at this disease with which we're dealing. And it's hard for us to say the whole earth is full of his glory. But here's what the scripture wants us to understand. When you dwell in the presence of God, you see things from his perspective. And that gives you the ability to say the whole earth is full of his glory. Is the earth full of crime and violence and injustice? Absolutely. But if you can see it from God's perspective, the whole earth is full of his glory and everything is working toward a resolution of the evil on this planet because God loves it. I hear somebody say from time to time, well, if God was a God of love, why does he allow this? If God was a God of love, why doesn't he do something? Friend, he is. He is. But unless we take time to dwell in his presence, we'll never see it until the end results come. Now, the problem (laughs) when we say that God's plan is beneficial, we say, well, there's a lot that's not good but the problem is that good is either ill-defined or unrecognized i'm i'm an old cowboy at heart i remember reading a story about a stagecoach driver that uh he and his Clients in the stagecoach had gotten overtaken by an by a, a, a early winter storm, and they were trying to get through mountain passes. The storm had surprised them. They were trying to get to the next coach station. He didn't know if they were going to make it. The family uh, inside was, was uh, going to freeze to death, he was afraid. <laughs> there was a lady in particular that had a, uh, a baby just a few weeks old, And the people were trying to tell her, ma'am, you've got to keep warm. You've got to keep warm because you've got to take care of this baby. And not realizing it was important for her to keep warm so she could take care of her baby, she kept drifting off into sleep, nearly dropping the baby. The baby was getting exposed to the cold. And the stage driver stopped a couple of times and said, ma'am, this is what you've got to do if you're going to survive. Well, she didn't take his advice very seriously. And along the way, the stagecoach driver realized something needed to be done. So he stopped the coach, he got out, he took the baby in his arms, he grabbed that young mother by the arms and threw her out in the snow and gave the baby to someone else, and he took off and left the lady behind. Now, I don't think he would have won a popularity contest in anybody's voting right then. That lady that was a prim young mother used words she had never thought of before and called him every name outside of a child of God that she could think of. And she began to run and began to say, my baby, my baby, you've taken my baby. (laughs) The coach driver let her run for about a half mile, work up a good sweat in that developing blizzard. And when she had got her juices flowing, when she had gotten warm, he explained to her, what I did is to get you warm. What I did is to get you alert to understand that that's the only way you'll save your baby's life. Well, when she understood what the stagecoach driver was doing, she said he was good. He, he used a def, desperate method in order to work something good in her life. Now, I've got to be honest with you. I am ashamed that sometimes years have passed before I begin to interpret events in my life as redemptive and gracious instead of punitive and unfair. I've gotta tell you the truth. I'm telling you today that God's plan is, is beneficial. It's for good. But there are times that I had to work through some of my bitterness and resentment. I carried baggage sometimes for a long time before I realized that God was being good to me in allowing me to suffer. Now, Paul went through the same process as he dealt with this thorn in the flesh in 2 Corinthians. He said, I besought the Lord three times that he would remove this thorn from me. And that was a Hebraism of saying, without end, I've been praying about this over and over and over again. But he came to the conclusion that when I am weak, he is strong. When I am at the end of my rope, he is just beginning to show his grace and mercy. And we're going to have to come to the understanding that in God's dealings with us, we may not understand it, but we can always be sure that it's beneficial. Now, there's a second word. It's the word active, active. He says, not only do all things work together for good, there's another little emphasis there, all things work. All things work. When we don't think anything's going on, God is working. I love what uh, someone said the other day. I think it was Mike Bickle. He said, I doubt that we are ever aware of as much as 5% of what God is doing in in our lives at any given time. I thought about that and I know there's no scripture that would substantiate that but there is a truth in scripture that I think he tapped on. We only see just the tip of the iceberg. We only see little glimpses and bits and pieces of what God is doing in us. And we don't understand that 95% of what God is doing for us or more goes completely unnoticed in our lives. And I'll tell you something else about God. Not only does he keep working when we don't understand he's working, When we misunderstand his working, he's willing to be misunderstood by us. I remember one of my children, I loved then as I love now with all my heart. And this child of mine decided that he'd seen me crank up the car. So he took my keys and decided he would try to crank up the house by putting the keys in the light uh, socket, the, the electrical socket. And he just thought that was good. He was playing car, and he went to crank up, and I kind of screamed. I said, no, 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 no. You can't do that. Well, I hurt his feelings. He wanted to crank up the house and I hurt his feelings and he was just, he wasn't old enough to understand what he was doing, but he was old enough to know that I had fussed at him and he gave me a threatening speech. He said, I will go out and run into the gully and you will have a son no more if you don't let me play with the keys. Well, if, if I was a bad father, I'd have said, oh, son, I can't stand for you to be upset with me. Go ahead and put the keys in. Go ahead and, and we'll give you a good funeral. Just go ahead. And, I, I don't want to hurt you. But you know what? He, he fussed at me, complained at me, he pouted with me. I asked for a hug and a kiss and he wouldn't give me one. But you know what? I loved him so much. Still do. I loved him so much. I was willing to let him totally misunderstand me. protect him. And sometimes we get so angry at God and we say he's not fair and he's not good. And he loves you so much that he's willing to let you have a pouting party until you come to the place where you realize that God is good. Everything he does is good. Even in chaos, he is in control. My grandmother, uh, been in heaven for a long time now, probably 25 years almost. And, um, uh, she, told about a time she was traveling to visit her son. My mom was with her. And they were going down um, uh, Highway 90, I think it was, but long before the interstate was built. And it was a rainy day. She lost control of the car. The car went off the road, began to spin around. She said, we were spinning around and around and around so much so that the world just looked like it was uh, in a tornado. And she went into the river, and they got her out, got the car out, and she was okay. But somebody asked her, what was going through your mind when the world was spinning out of control? She said, you're going to think I'm crazy, but when the car started spinning, I heard a choir start singing. And they said, what were they singing? She said, they began to sing, he's got the whole world In his hand, he's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hand. He's got the whole world in his hand. And when she came to a stop, she realized that angels of God were giving her comfort as she went to what could potentially be her death. That even though the world was out of control, she was in God's hand. Now... Let's go on to the third word. Now, now, God's providence makes everything that happens to us beneficial. Not everything is good, but everything works for good. It makes everything that happens to us active. There's never a time God's not working. Now, there are times he's quiet, but never a time that he's not working. The third word is inclusive. And the verse said, you remember, all things work together for good. Now we've established that all things work. We've established that all things are for good. Uh, But now we wanna look at the idea that everything works together for good. I had biscuit Sunday a few years ago here at the church and I had uh, on the table as I was trying to explain this passage of scripture to the church, I had some flour, I had some shortening, I had raw eggs, salt, baking soda, And um, I, I, you know, I tasted a little bit of the flour and it it wasn't good and the people thought it was gross. When I took a little uh, bit of the the shortening or the cooking oil, um, they just grossed out that I would even taste that. Uh, Raw egg, I didn't want to touch it, but they thought I was going to. Salt wasn't too bad, baking soda was, it was all horrible. But you know what I explained to them? I said, none of this would I sit down to a table and eat. But when you mix it together and give it a little bit of time, and then I opened a big old bag of Bojangles biscuits, I said, this is what comes out. I said, God works in our life on the compost principle. He takes things that are not good and he puts them in the compost and out of the compost pile or bin comes a soil that produces the most luxurious growth you could imagine, that's the way God works. All things, not all things are good, but all things work together for good. And here's the last word. It's the word harmonious. It says all things work together. It's the, the Greek word that's used as the word we get the English word synergy from. It's the idea um, of a pharmacist that mixes key ingredients to affect healing. So loved ones, as you walk through this trial, please understand this. If you are a child of God, everything that's happening to you, the good, the bad, and the ugly, as that great theologian Clint Eastwood said, the good, the bad, and the ugly is actively working together for good to those who love the Lord and are the called according to his purpose. Now, What do we do with this? There's a couple of life lessons I'd like to leave with you before we conclude. Um, Number one, you see there on your notes, we must understand, we must get this mentality out of our mind that God doesn't love me or God's not taking care of me. Number one, we need to understand that God has already committed to love us till the end. His love will never wane. There's a saying that we like to repeat here every two or three weeks just so nobody forgets it. There's nothing I can do that will make God love me more. And there's nothing I will do that will make him love me less. The issue, oh yeah, there's holy living and there's chastisement when we don't live a holy life. But as far as the love of God, his love does not vacillate. His love does not increase or decrease. He loves you perfectly already. Think about the scripture. He's already given us his greatest gift. See, no matter what you need, God has already given you something greater than that. Romans eight thirty two. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? You think God doesn't love you enough to give you what you need? He's already given you the best gift on the table. And that is his son, Jesus Christ. He's not only already given us his greatest gift, but he's able to keep us from falling. Well, pastor, I'd live a Christian life if I just thought I could do it. Well, let me go ahead and reassure you. You can't do it. I can't do it. None of us can do it. If we could do it, then we would be saved by works instead of saved by grace. But Jude 24 gives us this promise. Now unto him who's able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. He's able to present us faultless because his blood cleanses us from all sins. And the third thing, he's able to finish what he began in us. Paul assured that struggling church in Philippi, for I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. He's able, he's able, he's able to finish what he began. Now, here's the second life lesson that you need to remember. You say... uh, Pastor, I'm not sure I understand this. Well, it's just a simple sentence. It ain't over till the fat angel sings. Well, I think it was Yogi Berra that said it ain't over till the fat lady sings, but we're a little more theological. It ain't over till the fat angel sings. It's not that you take your progress report from the world. It's that you take your progress report from heaven. We will always be in situations with challenges and difficulties and some of you may have your back against the wall right now You may have more questions than answers about the next few weeks that lie ahead and you're in good company a lot of us are there But it's not over till the fat angel sings. It's not over until God says it's over and God has committed to care for you to complete what he's begun in you The bottom line I want you to trust him as Savior if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior the Bible says it's as simple as ABC I admit that I'm a sinner I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and the sea I confess him as my Lord I claim him as my Lord the forgiver of my sins but we not only need to trust him as Savior maybe you've already done that we also need to trust him As our shepherd, why in the world would he give you eternal life only to leave you hanging? Why would he promise you heaven only to cause you to endure hell on earth? Oh, I don't mean to tell you you're going to have a problem-free life. Read Hebrews 11 and you'll find that's not the case. But I do want you to know this. He is the good shepherd. He is the chief shepherd. He is the great shepherd. And this is what David said, because the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. Now it doesn't mean that I'll have everything I want. I've tried that, but there's never been a time in my life. I can tell you, I've I've walked with the Lord a long time, but there's never been a time he left me alone. There's never been a time he left me on my own. He is the great shepherd that leads me into green pastures. And he promises to walk with me even through the valley of the shadow of death. Father, as we conclude our service today, I ask for the grace of God to touch every life that's represented um, by our connection today. Bless every home. We do pray for healing. We pray for protection from the virus. But Lord, even more than that, we pray for our souls to reach up to the God who loves us. And we give you thanks for what you're doing in Jesus' name. If we can help you anyway, contact the church and we'll be glad to uh, help you in your walk with Jesus. I love you. Thank you for joining us today.